everyone, and welcome to episode 103 of the Avatar Hour podcast, your ultimate companion podcast to the world and fandom of Avatar. I'm Kayla. And I'm Andre. And today we are continuing our recap of Legend of Korra Season 2 with 205 Peacekeepers and 206 The Sting. Now, here's our obligatory spoiler warning. You can expect full spoilers for The Legend of Korra, as well as potential spoilers for Atla and for FCE novels so far. Um... But before we get into all of that discussion, how are we doing this week, Andre? I'm doing pretty good. Um, starting to get more and more settled in our new place. I think I've got all my um, stuff hanging up behind me. I can see that. Um, I see the map when, above which, your head. <laughs> yeah, it only shows like just a, a oh. fraction of what I got going Ooh, on up there. Yeah, I like tour. having a lot of stuff on the walls. Yeah. No, I love that too. That's awesome. I mean, like you... Patrons can see I have my giant Rocky horror poster I have over my shoulder. So, you know, we're good. I'm planning to get I'm planning to get something Rocky horror um, related soon because I want something hanging. I just don't know what exactly. Well, I can I'm, make I'm a on, recommendation. I'm on the market. I can make a recommendation. OK, so one of my castmates, um, his castmate, sorry, their cast name is Nostalgia Toast, and they have mm-hmm. an Etsy shop called the House of Happiness and house spelled H-A-U-S. Mm-hmm. And they actually make a mm-hmm. bunch of different prints for different cult movies like Rocky. I think they have a few different Rocky posters. It's not just like the typical like mm-hmm. lips poster like I have. Like they have, they do their own little twist on things. So highly recommend if you want to support, you know, local to Pittsburgh artist. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'll look into that. Um, speaking of cult musicals, Kayla, I think I'm I'm going to be working on a I'm going to say it's a cult musical because there is there seems to be a, a cult following for it. Um, but this summer, I'm going to be music directing You're in Town, the musical. Oh, my goodness. That's so exciting. Do you know about do you know about the You're in Town? I know about it. I don't know much, though. I just know it exists. And yeah, it's a musical. I, I've told, yeah, I've told people the news and they're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Basically, quick, quick summary here. Basically, it's a spoof musical. So it's a spoof on other musicals. Um, and it's it's set in a not so distant dystopian future where global warming has caused a drought and um, the water supply is like extremely restricted. And um, there is a corporation that makes people pay to pee. Which is not that far out of the realm of reality uh-huh. at this point in our current history as a country and society. Hey, I piss on company time, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I get the runs and on they company ha- time. <laughs> and they have like a they have a very uh, lame Miz esque revolution, and that's basically the show. And my favorite thing about it is when I was doing research for it, I found a quote from the original composer, and because it went on Broadway, I think it won a Tony or two. And when asked, did he think it would go that far? He was like, no, this was a <laughs> stupid experimental musical I wrote. I don't know how this happened, <laughs> which I love. So I'm very excited. I'm going to be working with some um, good friends that I worked on with Pippin last summer. I'm current, I'm technically working with them now on uh, James and the Giant Peach, the musical that's happening at the same theater. Um, but once that opens, I'll be going full urine town mode. Nice. Um, so... Yeah, very, very excited about My that. My high school uh, did James the Giant Peach, the musical, for uh, for one of those shows that we did when I was a senior, I think. Yeah. 
<laughs> it's a nightmare. <laughs> I remember watching it's a, previews. It's a nightmare of a show. I remember watching previews for it because, like, you could get out of class, you know, to watch dress uh-huh. rehearsal and stuff. And plus, mm-hmm. also, I just didn't really love watching my friends perform. But I remember watching that on stage and being like, oh, boy. Like, I, it's not that my friends are doing a bad job. Uh-huh. It was just the material. The material. No, the <laughs> The music is insanely uh, complicated and difficult for no reason at all. It's by the same people who wrote uh, the composers of Dear Evan Hansen. Oh, of course. Greatest Showman. Of fucking course it is. Yeah. And I, and I took it on like not like with full knowledge that it was this is all happening like as I'm moving and a bunch of things happening. Oh, God. And I only said yes because they asked like <clears throat> 20 other people to music direct and no one was available. And I said, okay, fine. I'll I'll go to a couple rehearsals and, and teach this music. Um, needless to say, I'm now pretty it. much full-time involved because the music is just insanely difficult. And in in, in my opinion, it's very, um, it's difficult for the sake of being difficult and not like difficult in like a interesting like, like Sondheim kind of way. Of course it's not um, Sondheim, yeah. And, yeah. I, and I think it, I think the show flopped because I cannot find any information about this show um the cast recording is not on spotify not on it is you have to buy it on itunes but it's not on like a streaming you can find it on youtube but like very few like actual legit like regional or even off-broadway i don't even think it went to off-broadway but for some reason like it's still a thing people do um you know i mean if you know where i am and you're in the area definitely go and see it it's gonna be great but Oh my god! It is just so so complicated for no reason. That's so annoying. And, and enough about me. How are you doing, Kayla? I'm doing pretty good. You know, just dealing with adulting stuff. I'm, I'm things are leveling out now, but you know, just still with a little bit of uh, adult stress, so to speak, with just things in life and job stuff. Mm. But. I'm doing pretty well. Some things I got, like, you know, I'm I'm switching my part-time to be at a different store. So, you know, mm-hmm. as opposed to working at Ulta, I'll work at Target uh, for four bucks oh, okay. for an hour. So that's good. That's uh, good. Yeah. So, you know, just, just getting by, trying to, you know, put some things in motion for my life to be a little better from here on out. But, you know, that kind that's of good. stuff. And, you know, busy as always with Rocky Horror related things and you know, we're doing Reefer Madness. Uh, if you're in Pittsburgh around April 22nd, come see us because we're working super mm-hmm. fucking hard on the show. You should come see. It's really fun. Uh, yeah, we're doing a, the shadow cast of the movie musical. So it's the musical that's based off of the propaganda film from the 30s. And it's a mm-hmm. big old, like, you know, satire parody of that show, of, of that movie. So it's it's absurd. Kristen Bell's in it in the movie. Um, oh, and yeah, Alan Cummings in it too. Like, oh, okay, yeah, there's some like pretty big names attached to it with them. Um, but mm-hmm. like, I like no one's heard of, and no one's like really heard of it except for maybe like the 1930s movie. But like, mm-hmm. highly recommend checking out Reaper Madness the movie musical. The songs will get stuck in your head. I know because I have been okay. listening to this shit since January when I first got signed on to direct this movie. So direct this shadow cast. So, mm-hmm. but oh, I can nice. not say enough good things about Reaper Madness. Go check it out. April 22nd. Come see us. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. I love it. 
uh, personal life, but there's one bit of news from the Avatar world since the last time we were on the mic. Oh yeah, some pretty big news. Um, we have just received uh, the title for the second Yang Chen book. It's going to be titled The Legacy of Yang Chen. It's going to be out July 18th, 2023. So in a couple of months here. And I do have a synopsis. Oh, um, So it says... Common enemies make for strange friends, dot, dot, dot. Avatar Yangchen has succeeded in bringing a measure of stability to Bin Air, but her successes have been limited to a single city, and rumors concerning unanimity, a weapon capable of total obliteration, have led to increasing tensions among the four nations. Desperate to restore diplomacy, Yangchen attempts to de-escalate hostilities between heads of state. But in the wake of a brutal assassination and the freeing of unanimity, Yang Chen is forced to bring Kavik, the trusted former companion whose betrayal crushed her, back into her fold. As the four nations teeter on the brink of conflict and she begins to unravel the power-hungry Zongdu chassis' true agenda, Yang Chen is forced to measure the worth of humanity and how much can be sacrificed in the name of balance. This taut and provocative fourth installment in the Chronicles of the Avatar series follows Avatar Yang Chen as she charts the course of her legacy, finally making peace with her choice and facing Avatarhood with the courage it demands. Okay. So pretty, I mean, pretty normal state of affairs for an Avatar book. Yeah. Um, I'm interested to see what, what this brutal assassination is. Um, maybe the Earth King? I don't know. Um, and I'm interested to see how Yingchen is is just kind of forced to bring Kavik back into the fold. And obviously, we left the first book. Spoilers: We left the first book on some. They weren't on the best of terms. We can just say, yeah. Um. So yeah, this this seems to be um a bigger book in scale. I'd say the first book was pretty like. It was pretty small scale. It was pretty like very intimate. Uh, but now we're involving all of the four nations now that this unanimity thing has um, been revealed and we won't say what it is. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm excited um, for it and we'll see how it goes. July 18th. We'll see. Yeah. Any thoughts, Kayla, on the synopsis? Like, honestly donna yang chen kind of left like not saying like a bad taste in my mouth but i mm-hmm. did not like donna yang chen and mm-hmm. i as much as I, I gave it time and i don't like it um but mm-hmm. so i'm hope i will still obviously we still you'll still cover the book and i'll still read it and think critically yeah. about it and all that stuff rain or shine it's, we will read the book yeah but um Let's just say that my anticip- my excitement and anticipation for it is significantly lower than what it was before Dawn of Yang Chen. Let's just say that. Yeah. Uh, and maybe we'll, we'll shake things up this time and- around and maybe do a couple more chapters than we normally do instead of like the four, maybe to get through it a little bit quicker. Mm. Um, but, but yeah, like, I mean, I'm willing, to, I'm I'm willing to give it a shot. Maybe there will be, maybe this will be, you know, kind of clean tie up some loose ends. Maybe there are some things about Dawn of Yang Chen that will be explained further in the in the next one. Mm-hmm. You never know. I will give it yeah, a fair yeah. shot. Yeah, me too. I mean, I was I was much more excited to read Shadow of Kyoshi after finishing Rise of Kyoshi. Um, but uh, yeah, what well, we're we're gonna give it a shot. Whether we like it or not, we will be covering it on the podcast. Um, we don't know exactly when that 
couple months away for now. We're not sure what our schedule is going to look like, but we will probably be covering it not too late after it releases, but we will see where we are in a couple of months. Um, but that's it for our news. Uh, before we get into our main discussion, we just want to let you know that these bi-weekly episodes are not the only way that you can enjoy the Avatar Hour podcast. We have tons of exclusive content on our Patreon for as little as $1 a month and up to $5 a month, including early release, ad-free episodes, our Zoom recording sessions, access to our episode schedule so you can see what we're talking about in advance, as well as our flagship benefit, the Avatar After Hour, where Kayla and I will have little mini discussions about a specific topic. We will be recording a new episode after today's recording i know we've been promising this for a while we are going to do it after today's recap we will be talking about whether or not we would date someone who also happens to be the avatar um and this seems like a pretty timely avatar hour after hour considering what happens in these latest episodes that we're about to talk about so if you'd like to tune in for that head over to our patreon at patreon.com slash the avatar hour podcast without further ado kelly you want to just go right into it yeah let's do it all right, well, let's talk about 205 Peacekeepers. Um, I'll let you take oh, the lead on that because you you basically said exactly what I was going to say with some of these. <laughs> with some of these. So you made some points that like I didn't even consider. So let's just roll right into what you have to say about it. <laughs> well, let's let's talk about the big inciting incident of this thing. So Korra uh, returns to Republic City after um, fleeing the Southern Water Tribe and, and uh, Unalak. Lynn immediately is um, like, hey, thanks for starting a thanks war. Thanks for starting a war. <laughs> <laughs> Lynn is the best. I, I love her one-liners in these two episodes. Lynn, so the good. icon, the legend. Yeah, she has a great second one-liner that we'll talk about in the next episode. Um, but um, so she re- uh, returns to Republic City um, they're planning to do a peaceful protest outside of the Southern Water Tribe Cultural Center. Um, and uh, basically a, a terrorist attack happens. A bomb goes off. It's unclear whether or not it was supposed to actually harm people or if it was just to um, harm or destroy the building. Not entirely sure. It doesn't go too much into it. Um, but I just want to ask, um, where... Did all these water tribe people come from? Because Republic City, as we've seen so far, apart from like Tenzin and everyone on Air Temple Island, everyone is pretty like it's a mixed bag. Like sometimes you can tell who's from the water tribe, who's from the Earth Kingdom, but no one's blatantly in like water tribe garb ever. And then suddenly there's like a bunch of them in Republic City for this like peaceful protest. And not only Southern Water Tribe, but also northern water tribe who came out to protest the protest um and i mean i don't know maybe they dressed up in support of their nation but that was the first thing that hit me i was like where did all these people from the water tribes come from i think what well, we've seen water tribe people in the background and stuff like that it's like you know republic city scene things like that mm-hmm. i think for like wearing more overt garb maybe it's saved for particular occasions like honoring certain holidays for instance especially because republic city is kind of a melting pot kind of like new york was with you know immigrants coming in and things like that from other countries mm-hmm. so i say probably they're just setting aside their garb for special occasions or for you know important cultural moments like this so that's probably answering yeah. one part of that i will say though um the more stark divides between north and south even in republic city mm-hmm. i almost want to be surprised by it but also 
I'm kind of not surprised by it. I'm surprised in the fact that, like, I thought that, you know, well, it depends on how many generations Republic City's been around, you know. Uh, well, that's the thing of it is, like, is I think the Water Tribes were cool with each other until the North decided to invade the South. Mm-hmm. Then I think people were, like, starting to divide, even though it, it's implied that the Northern Water Tribe um, is is sometimes has like an uppity disposition because they're more spiritual. They're more tied to their, to their traditions. Um, but yeah, I think it's only because of this civil war that's happening that people have come out like, and really like divided over, over this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also wanted to talk about what we thought about Cora, uh, deciding to outwardly show her support of the South. Um, it's a this is a really tricky situation for me because yeah. it's like like take the Unalock out of it. There isn't obviously the North is in the wrong here. No one should be invading anybody, right? Uh-huh. But I mean, compared to what the Fire Nation was doing in Atla, apart from Sozin's genocide, the Fire Nation was also invading many places and imprisoning people just like the Northern Water Tribe are doing now. And there's no way Aang could have been neutral in that, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, while I, I think in an ideal world, Korra should have remained neutral, um, uh, there, it this doesn't seem like what she's doing doesn't seem like something in the interest of keeping balance is this is like my people. This is my family that Uh has been invaded, which is not to say that that's not like a good reason to do what she did. Um, But it's an interesting question in, in things like this, because you could also argue like for Aang, it was personal too. I mean, the fire nation completely wiped out his entire, like, you know, people. Um, So I think both Aang and Korra have, and, and probably many other avatars have probably been faced with this, of grappling between of the like, nation they grew up in and the world they're supposed to right. serve. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's it's a really interesting place for Korra to be in. But in, especially in in this episode, um, she is a very, very protective of, of her family and her roots. But also because she knows the larger picture of what's going on. And no one knows that Unalak is like basically this bad dude, right? He's just seen as the chief to the Northern water tribe. And therefore like, they can't just like, you know, I'm a very rare, uh, defense of Raiko here, but he really can't just go and storm the Southern water tribe and take Unalak out the way Korra wants him to. Um, and I think it's, it's a really terrible idea to get the United forces involved as well. And I think it's even, extremely done that general iroh even entertain cora's idea <sighs> to storm the southern water tribe no not just storming the tribe they were going to go on some routine training mission thing and then Quote, basically unquote. put themselves in a position to be attacked so they can justify attacking the northern water tribe um this is is an extremely misguided <sighs> decision and i cannot believe the general of the United Forces was like, yeah, we can do that. I know he's technically in Korra's debt because Korra saved his life in season one. But, like, not but that still, much, buddy. Like, Jesus. Like, like get her get her some dinner. Don't, exactly. like, you, like know, you know, cover her bill, get her a nice necklace or something. This is, 
way too far. And I'm mad at the writers for making me defend President Reiko. I know, right? <laughs> um, even if he is very slimy and like does like the whole like politician, picture. He's a politician, okay? He like, is a, he's a politician. Like, How dare the writers make me defend a politician? I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, but but this, uh, this is a very compelling aspect of this season is what do you do in a situation like this? Because it's not as simple as a good and a bad, right? Yeah. The Fire Nation were... It up until halfway season through, three. through season three, <laughs> completely evil, right? Yeah, and it was only well, we we had some explorations before, but like, three. but like you know, but, you, we we didn't see the extent of like the brainwashing and the things like that, like the you know eradication right. of history to serve you know, right? Yeah, I understand. But also, I, I was I was also going to point out that because Cora is so involved um, with this conflict, she ends up going after the wrong people because she assumes yeah. that it was the northern water tribe her judgment that is attacked clouded. the cultural center yeah yeah i say granted that's what everyone else thinks because they're the obvious culprit yeah i feel like when it comes to my opinion on whether cora should outwardly state her support for the southern water tribe or not yeah it's a complicated situation uh i feel that if she had better people around her to kind of point her in the right yeah. direction with this yeah um, it's that thing again yeah i would personally say that say if I were to be advising Cora on this, um, I mean, I don't know. Should I even, (laughs) I would just say to, you know, this is not as black and white of an issue as you may think somehow, somehow I'd have Mm -hmm. to figure out a way to put this to someone who blows up very easily when someone has a contradicting point of view to hers. Um, Mm -hmm. But like, I would have to like tell her to, hold on a second before making any public statements uh you know she definitely needs help on the public statement side of things of being the avatar uh oh yeah she needs a publicist she needs someone she needs a (laughs) mark she's like no someone to do be her you know pr person like right something tells me that would probably be my job or something in the avatar universe some other version of marketing that way (laughs) well well but here's the thing i don't i don't i don't think it was it's such a bad thing that Cora um marched with the southern people in a no, peaceful protest. I didn't think I that think was a bad idea of, either. I think compared to what she wants to do with the United Forces, this is a a much smarter way of saying, Hey, as the Avatar, I think this is wrong and something needs to be done about this. All yes. right. But the problem is Cora wants immediate action. Where if she had waited I'm sure that many people, the 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 government or, or the council president, or whatever, is going to end up feeling a lot of pressure to do something if the avatar comes out and says this needs to be addressed, right? But it's the fact that she wants immediate action and she doesn't have anyone there to advise her. The only one who is unfortunately in the crossfire is Mako, and she has yeah. a, a real habit of... of thinking that everyone is against her which the way she was brought up i understand doesn't excuse it but it explains why she feels that way um but it's it's just oh i mean like we do see a little glimpse of that of like you know going to president Raiko and you know trying to get uh help from him and you know okay good approach but like mm-hmm. someone really needed to have explained her to her the political side of being the avatar a little bit more. 
Yeah. Because politics does not work that quickly, uh, especially when it comes to sticky political conflicts, you know, like. And I think Reiko even offers to find work with her and try to find a diplomatic solution that doesn't involve sending troops to the southern water tribe yeah and um, i mean i know that we hate that there is like when it comes to unalak and what he wants to do when we're people who are removed from the situation and know what he wants to do right. but yeah. you know we the people in the show besides cora and her group you know her passe there uh mm-hmm. all you know know that unalak unalak bad but not everyone in the world sees the extent of that so there has to be some very careful navigation of this before jumping into violent action, which I'm not saying violent action is bad in all cases. I'm saying that, you know, in a world that, you know, while information travels fast in this world now, mm. it doesn't travel nearly as fast enough to get action to happen about it. You know, I hope that made some semblance of sense. I completely dropped No, off no, no, it there. did. <laughs> and, and, uh, Cora is also at the distinct advantage of not really having any evidence to that because she tries to tell Raiko, you know, Unalak lied his way onto the throne. Uh, how how can we prove that? We can't, uh-huh. right? I mean, maybe something like that could inspire more immediate action. But again, Raiko is in a position where he's like, I can't just take your word for it and just go send a bunch of troops and hope that everything... Because he also has to worry about the Northern Water Tribe people in his city who are going, and of course he's got the interest of re-election and all these things, so I'm not going to say all of his motivations are completely noble, but he really does not have any recourse here, and I also think it's insanely even more stupid to be like, well, I'll just go to the Fire Nation and ask for help. What do you mean? Go and ask them what I I want to know what happened. Who let these teenagers the, be unsupervised for as long as they have? No, but literally, but like literally. I mean, especially like even with like Asami's decision that she makes, and like you know, Bolin's decisions and Mako's decisions. Like, I mean, I know the teenagers and stuff, but I also kind of want to like, just, oh God, I'm turning to a responsible adult. Uh, uh but like. <laughs> You know, I was just like, I was like, you know, where's your parents? Kind of a, f- a loaded question for like three fourths of the uh, team avatar right. here. <laughs> <laughs> but like, in the sense of like, okay, you need someone needs to be the adult here and like, no, super powerful bender children, please don't do that. Please don't go commit war crimes. And, you know, yeah. Like, I, I mean, as as much as it sucks that Korra got, like, smited by that dark spirit, I mean, I I also don't think the Fire Nation would have helped her. No! But if they I mean, did, they... <laughs> what happens when the Earth Kingdom decides to pick a side? Then you've, you've escalated a civil war into an international global war. Yeah. Which is not going to help anybody. So I could... I could not even imagine how this would have gone down. 
would I have loved to see the Fire Nation in this present day? Yeah, absolutely. Look, but I just cannot imagine what would have happened if she somehow managed to convince I think we can the imagine, Fire Lord to do something. I think we can imagine exactly what would happen, and we see what happens when Kuvira starts causing problems, and she goes to the Fire Lord for help. Like, go to the Fire Lord for help on that. She's like, "Look, the Fire." I think what's was- oh, that's true. She does say, "Like, that's look, true. I don't want to drag the Fire Nation into another war." So that's she's yeah. probably the exact same answer to that as well. Very uh, true. So I forgot about that. There you go. There's your answer. She would say the exact same thing. And she probably would also say the things that you said of, you know, this could escalate into a major global conflict, you know. Yeah. Kid. Yeah. <laughs> like. <laughs> Literally. <sighs> yeah. You're I don't, 17, I don't know. <laughs> it's it's such a it's the, this is the the part of the episode that I did find compelling. Like, what do you do? I wish it was explored more. Um, but I, I did enjoy this, com- this element of this episode. That's, but that's the thing with it. I also really enjoyed it. And it makes me disappointed when something that has an interesting concept does not have as good of an execution. Exhibit A, this episode. I think it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't that interesting because everything was happening so quickly. Yeah. I do you know what I mean? Was I was like, like oh, okay, I'm going to go March. Oh, and then it blows up. Oh, and then I got to go to Raiko. Oh, and then I got to go to General Ira. Oh, oh I'm going to go to the Fire Nation. Nation. I was like... Uh, yeah, and there. Meanwhile, there's a B and a C plot going on in this episode. Yeah, because it's the lemur which I th- plot. If one can even that, call it that, that should have been put in the next episode because there was no. I don't. I don't. Th- there wasn't much of a B or C plot in the next episode. That could have waited another episode. I wanted to spend more time on Cora trying to find a solution to her problem. Versus, I mean, yeah, I like the flying lemur stuff, but I didn't. I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't my priority for this. Episode. I didn't like it. I thought it was dumb. <laughs> I only liked it because I like I I think the lemurs are the are lemurs are cute, very but... cute, and I will not complain about cute animals in Avatar. You know that, but like, yeah, why? But it was very much like, oh, we got to remind the audience what that Milo Tenzin's exists doing. and Tenzin yeah. exists. That's that's yeah. basically the B plot. They exist. Yeah, that's it. Um, let's talk about this breakup, Makora breakup. <sighs> um, God, fucking finally, I, <laughs> I can't believe I'm gonna fucking say it, but Mako. Is in the right. Yes, here. I. That's also a big plot twist. Of the fucking episode. <laughs> I think I texted you this. Like you're talking before the episode, and uh, yeah, because he's like also not Mako being the only sensible character in these episodes, and I'm like fucking plot twist right there. Forget, literally, <laughs> forget, literally. Forget the plot twist at the end of the second episode here. <laughs> like that's the real one there. The only slightly misguided thing he did in this episode was suggest that Cora do nothing, uh, which is the worst thing to tell Cora to ever do first of all don't tell her to do anything because she won't listen um yeah but I mean what was Paco supposed to do lie to the president <laughs> like I I get that that Cora is like dealing with like the stakes here she's the only one that really has the full picture of everything mm-hmm. but and I don't this is not gonna come off as like a women are so emotional thing it's not that but I feel like the stress of this is getting to her. And when people are so stressed out and so when they have personal ties to something, they start doing some not reasonable things like yeah. just Go gallivant over, off to the Fire Nation. Or, yeah, or try to like, commit a, essentially, would that be a war crime? What Cora was trying to get was I, I what I was, it would have been treason. Yeah, I think it would have been treason. Okay, it would have been a crime. <laughs> Either yeah, way, yeah, asking Mako to lie to the president would also have been treason. 
Like um, he he <sighs> did not. It was very clear he did not have a choice. And I think if if a one they communicated more, and two there wasn't so high of an emotional stake here, I think Cora would have like been like, okay, I get it. You can't you can't lie to the president. Fine. But I mean, she's she's also not she's batting zero here in this episode. So it's like I don't I of course don't agree with how she handled things, but I I, I get it. At least the episode sold me on that of how stressed she is getting to this point. And again, I wish that uh, they spent more time on like the emotional aspect of what Cora is going through. I feel like they could have taken the leaf out of the episode in uh, season one when Cora was grappling with her crippling fear of Amon and what he could do to her, you know, yeah. and they should have really should have taken a leaf out of that book and exploring the emotional aspects of being the avatar in a situation like this, you know? Yeah. I mean, you can have all the political intrigue you want, but if you aren't getting the full picture of what the people involved are feeling or going through, it doesn't make it that compelling. Yeah. Um. Exactly. So, so yeah, I mean, it's definitely a mixed bag for this episode. I would say, um, we have we have a B plot with Bolin, um, where he's it's the beginning of the Nuktuk arc, which Ugh. yeah. Um, it, my favorite exists. thing was when he was doing the interview at the Pro Bending Arena, and they did the coughing thing yes. again. Oh my god, was, <laughs> I, I missed that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was I was like I was watching the episode and doing notes, and so when the first signs happened and they coughed, I was like, oh, surely they're not going to do the cough again, and then they did it. I was like, oh my god, I love it. Um, thank you thank you for putting that in there for the big nerds like us that pay attention to running jokes like that yeah (laughs) it's for us Um, for us (laughs) yeah i mean other than that um bolin is about about to embark on probably the least compelling arc of this entire series and i'm not looking forward to literally the rest of the season uh Uh, being that that fucking Um, theme song like I don't have any of the words in my head except for the fucking except for just nut talk or whatever, and it's just that stupid jaunty little theme song. I do, I will say, I do appreciate that they did that they did like obviously old Hollywood references and things like that with like especially with how yeah. Ginger looks and things like that. But I can appreciate, mm-hmm. especially like. Like with the close-ups on um, Pabu and Naga, it reminded me, and like the way their voices were, reminded me a lot of like mm-hmm. Kimba the White Lion uh, cartoons from oh, like yeah. the '60s mm-hmm. or something. Fuck, I don't know time periods uh, and old timey cartoons and stuff. And it reminded me a lot of like the shows that my dad and I used to watch growing up, like the stuff that he used to watch when he was growing up. Mm-hmm. So it reminded me a lot of that. And that's the one bit of compliment I will give to the Nuck Tuck situation. Uh, is yeah, just yeah. That. I definitely have more thoughts on 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 that um, with the next episode. Um, the theme song isn't what does it for me. It's um, the Naga voice actor going Nucktacular. I'm like, what are we doing here? Yeah, I know this is a kids show, but uh, come on. <laughs> I will say though, I think it's even it's funny though. I also it did make me laugh with because um, it's like it was kind of a sweet thing. I talked about my girlfriend's dogs on a previous episode. And, like, that's the mm. voice that I kind of do for when I'm talking about Xena, who is, like, the... <laughs> we got, like, yeah, Xena's, the, like, the gentler kind of dog and just, like, a little bit more... She's so cute and so sweet and so gentle and also so dopey. 
And like, mm-hmm. actually, I think Cece said that she originally did want to name one of her dogs Naga. Uh, so Aww. that does work. Uh, but like the way that she, like Naga's painted in this episode reminds me a uh-huh. little bit of how like the St. Bernard's markings and stuff are. So uh, I'll, I'll, t- I'll give that kind of like sweet, like, oh, it does remind me a little bit. But Nuctacular <laughs> makes me want to fucking barf. Uh, it, yeah. <laughs> God damn it. You had to make uh, one nice pleasant thing and then you fucking undercut it with that shit. Yeah. Mm. Yep, yep, yep. Um, uh, my only last thing that I wanted to point out was I like I really love that Sokka has a statue good in front for of the Southern Water Tribe Cultural Center. As he fucking should. I, that was I, I don't remember. statue. <laughs> yeah. I don't remember if we saw this statue in season one. I think it was the Zuko statue that we saw, mm. but I think the Sokka statue. We definitely saw the Zuko one. I'm pretty sure we saw a Toph one. Uh, yeah, we did see a Toph one. And a Cabbage yeah. Man. Yeah, again, where is it? Where's Katara's statue? Is what yeah. I is what I want to know. See, this is this is why I think her and A had a separation for a while and was like not involved with all that because she's like, I can't deal with it anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go back home. I think that's what happened. I don't know. Well, find Avatar out. Studios, please explore. I want, um, I want, <laughs> I want like the. Okay, so you know, like I mean, I, it's come. This might take us wildly off track, but let's face it, it's probably not a whole lot we have to talk about in the next episode anyway. Uh, <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> noticing on the difference between this episode's notes and the other ones, like <laughs> the yeah, length. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Look, just basically pull the Incredibles kind of thing of how they explored like Mr. You know, Mr.'s incredible and Elastigirl's marriage in the Incredibles and like still managed to have like a semi-real, you know, pretty realistic depiction yeah. of a marriage falling apart with two superhero powered humans. <laughs> uh do that. Yeah. Take that. Take a leave out of that book. I want to see that. Actually, don't do that because <laughs> then people on TikTok are gonna be like, What? This is just terrible, lazy writing. This is character assassination. What do you mean Aang wasn't a good husband? Yeah, maybe I don't want that. No, I want that. Fuck TikTok. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I just like to watch the I, world burn, I guess. I, I came upon a TikTok that was someone being like, I can't. Um, I'm like really excited. They were like doing like a diagram of all the Avatar Studios projects that we know about. Uh-huh. And I commented, I was like, yay, can't wait for all the discourse. It's going to be so much fun. Yay. Because... <laughs> If the past couple of months or a year, I mean, maybe TikTok won't even be around by the time the first Avatar Studios movie comes out, but one could only hope. Um, okay, cool. Well, let's take, let's take a break and we'll do our final thoughts on um, the, the next episode. Um, mm. So stick around for that. We will see you in a little bit. Hey, everyone. Kayla here. Before we get into the second half of the episode, we just wanted to remind everyone to check and make sure you're following the Avatar Hour podcast on your favorite podcast platform of choice. And if that platform has a rating system, please consider it leaving us a review and maybe some feedback. With subscribers and reviews, it allows us to reach future listeners and to help the podcast grow in the long run. Thanks for listening. And now back to the show. All right. And we're back with 206's recap. Uh, yeah. So I forgot to mention the Knock Talk team theme doesn't come in until this episode, but I just wrote Gurr next to it. That's all right. <laughs> um, yeah. And... What are some things you like about? Uh, you mentioned the old Varric. Hollywood influence. I Varric, Varric, yeah. <laughs> Well, first of all, I know I've established how much I fucking love Varric, but I know my he be is the best part of this episode. Agreed. But you know the part where I'm I, I'm kind of jumping ahead to the end, or do you want to wait to the? Till we no, no, no. Go ahead. I like this episode for Varric because it shows 
like how cunning he is. He is playing yeah. multiple sides and trying to come out mm-hmm. on top. You know, he's on his side, you know, yeah. and that's very fucking clear in this episode. And, you know, I still laugh at him. I still think he's hilarious. But I also think like, God damn, that was a good end to the episode of that. Like that slow turn in his chair, and that smirk on mm. his face. Like. I like it, it was very it was very OTN on the nose, but I did I, I did appreciate that. what it does for his character. I, I did. I was going to say that it was a little bit too mustache curly, but it was yeah. good. It was actually yeah. good. <laughs> I I appreciate the links and especially in the later seasons, I appreciate the links the writers go to to make him more than just the funny, like out of touch billionaire character. He is actually very brilliant. Um, and he knows how to manipulate any kind of situation into his favor, which I think makes him a compelling character. Oh, absolutely. Um, but he is, yeah, he is the best part of this episode. You never know what he's going to say or do next. Um, and like, but also it's this kind of taken that, uh, comedic side of his character of, you not you don't know what's going to be, what's going to come out of his mouth, what he's going to say or do next, but taking that and kind of twisting it a little bit of like. Yeah. This is a very powerful man who's, you know, like he he she charmed all of us. He charmed mm-hmm. everyone in the show. And, yeah. you know, now it's kind of the twist of like, oh, okay, that's right. Don't forget he's a billionaire. <laughs> he's not. Right. He's on his own side. Uh, and I, I, I do want to uh, make a, a clarification slash, slash retraction because, uh-huh. um, I I did want to clarify that while I did think the decision to go to the United Forces was dumb, it was a very idea, not Cora's. Yeah. However, point. it was still very dumb. Still very dumb. Uh, Wish they'd taken a second to think about the implications. And also, he was but, under the influence well, of red hot peppers or whatever. So, But for Varric, it makes sense. Oh, God, absolutely. Because it's going to make him money. The war is going to make him money. Exactly. So in that in that way, I get it. But also, he but has in the, completely... in the overall... Yeah. yeah. He does have a lot dumb. of... Dumb. <laughs> ...out of left field ideas and, like... There's a reason why there's a brainstorming session is literally for those who don't know brainstorming session or whatever he called it in his in his whatever the hell that mm-hmm. was that he did. Uh-huh. Look, brainstorming is for just getting ideas out of your head and onto paper or your computer. It is not something yes. that you immediately go and act upon. It's something that you just let it sit, let it germinate a little bit, you know, pick out what works best for you and what you want to do for whatever project, right. whatever you're working on. Not something that you immediately jump into action and be like, okay, I'm going to write the greatest American novel. Uh, like, it's not how it works. Well, especially, especially after that idea was preceded by uh, hand shoes, which are just gloves. <laughs> but I did like his other idea about, what was it, radio for pets or something? And then like some mint lemonade. Okay, it reminds get, get me. Those to, Julie, get those to research and development. I want prototypes by next week. I'm, that is so funny. I'm not going to lie. This scene does remind me a little bit. I'm also kind of sidetracked. But you know Glass Onion, the Knives Out movie? Yeah. Finally watched yeah. it. Fucking yeah. love it. I've shown, I've watched it like six yeah. times at this point. Great movie. It's great. It's really um, good. It yeah. reminds me a lot in the beginning when, uh, oh God, what's his name? Um, I remember uh, no characters' names, only the actors. Yeah. Uh, Leslie Odom Jr.'s character is talking about uh-huh. uh, 
the Elon Musk stand-in character um, and, uh-huh. you know, mentions child NFT as one of the ideas. I'm just imagining, oh like, God. that's Varric. Like, if Varric existed in, you know, this universe or whatever, would just be faxing Julie, like, oh, hand shoes. Varric, <laughs> Varric, Varric is the head CEO of whatever the Avatar Twitter is going to be. That's just confirmed. <laughs> I'm just gonna make that canon right now. Yeah, right. Like, I'm sorry. Well, what, what would it like, be? Would it be like Turtle Duck or something for Twitter? Like, I don't. I don't know. I, don't know. I just like Turtle Ducks. Okay, maybe something flying bison related. Yeah. Yip yak. <laughs> yip yip. No. <laughs> yip yip. Oh, oh, wait a minute. Get that. Get that to research and development. Write that down. <laughs> God, do you remember Yip Yak? I do. Did was you that, ever have was one? Wasn't that an anonymous, like anonymous with air quotes here, or am I thinking of another app where you could just like say? Yeah, it was shit? that. It was that app for people who don't know. It was. It was supposed to be for um, people in concentrated areas like campuses. I think it was originally for college campuses. That makes sense. To just like anonymously, anonymously. Oh my god, anonymously. I'm having a stroke. Say whatever that they whatever they wanted uh-huh. about anything, and, that's- and it could be as. It could be as like, you know, um, you know, benign as like, oh, the person at the dining hall, I like your hair. Or this person cheated on this person with three other people. And apparently it was not as anonymous as people thought. And I think it became a security issue. And that's why it's like, has been like, you know, nixed from the app store for like years now. Uh, but I did have one. I never, I don't think I ever posted anything on it. I guess it was interesting to see what other people were saying. Um, but so I think I had that in high school. Look, t- t- Facebook I, also was a college campus thing, and it's turned into a privacy true. issue as well. So that's, that's very Circle. true. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The college campus app to security national issue pipeline. <laughs> <laughs> make that a meme. Make that a meme. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think Yip Yip would be a great app. Yeah. Or maybe like an app that's like a, a personal hotline to the avatar. Oh, and then it would be like God, my neighbor stole my my cabbages. Can you can you go and Why get them? Why would you back call the avatar me? for that if the avatar I don't doesn't know. steal a cabbage? I don't know. <laughs> I was thinking in, in in the Miles Morales Spider-Man game, he has like an app, the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man uh-huh. app where people can like call in crimes. So I was like, think of like something similar for the avatar, but I don't think I don't think that'll work on a, a global scale. <laughs> No, and I think there's a friendly, lot of there's friendly a, neighborhood avatar. There's a lot of freaks out there as well. It's not immediately jumping to. Uh, anyway, yeah. moving right along on that one. Um, well, let's talk about the worst thing about the this episode is the two kisses. <laughs> um, so Bolin uh, is tempting fate uh, with a sexual harassment claim and decides to like kiss Ginger. Uh, Look, Me Too hasn't happened. It's not in the script. Me Too hasn't happened yet. Oh, he would have been Me Too'd into oblivion. And I don't say that facetiously. Like, I think, like, that would have very much happened. Um, Very weird. I don't... That is not anything I would ever see Bolin doing. No. Um, And, like, there's a whole thing this episode of, like, oh, it's, like, it's going to his head. The whole famous thing is going to his head. Um, I I don't think this was... That only works well when advised. it's like, you know, like goofing around with like Mako and stuff, like the whole hat rack thing, you know, that works. Oh, no, yeah. The hat rack, or, the you hot know, tub, that or, was funny. Or, you this know, the funny. whole like, you know, him, like Mako being on set and he ignores him until he refers to him by his character name. That was a good example of that. 
However, the non-consensual yeah. kiss there and like his assumption that Ginger would be into him just because her character is in the movie. Um, yeah. That just, I know Bolin's kind of dumb, but he's not that dense. I don't think he's not dumb. dumb. He has He makes himbo, dumb decisions. <laughs> he, has, he has himbo tendencies. Yes, absolutely. And I that. I think part of it is because Mako parented him like way too much and he doesn't have that same sense of independence as maybe Mako does, but, or like at least emotional intelligence, but granted he's still only what 17, 18 exactly. at this point. Yeah. But I think it's still, the, but like you should know better. Like he's, this is, I've, I've really, out of all the things I don't like about this talk talk arc, I just hate what it does to Bolin. Mm. Because I I don't think anything about this Nuktuk arc relates well in his character. And he's not even really doing it to, like, raise awareness for the Southern Water Tribe invasion. It's not even that. It's him unknowingly helping uh, Varric be a profiteer, a war profiteer, essentially. Yeah. And whether uh, whether he knows about it or not, it doesn't really make him a, a, a likable watchable character and for someone who is one fourth of team avatar yeah. that is very hard to to and he spent the first four episodes being like you know basically emotionally manipulated and abused by um eska yeah. which was i i think supposed to be fine caitlin sent us an email about this i don't know if you read it um shout out to caitlin um but it was yeah just like not we didn't talk about it a whole lot but it was just like not funny yeah. like how like manipulated and abused he was by eska and then, Oof. oh, forget about that. We're going to do this new thing with him. With him getting also, like, a, a, you know, manipulated and, yeah. Uh, right, that. right. And it, and <sighs> is this, why, why couldn't, uh, why couldn't Bolin and Asami team up and figure out what's going on with the, the future scenes, industries thing? The scenes where they work together are some of the best scenes in the series. And I wish they had more screen time together because they actually, their, their friendship is awesome and so underrated and so underutilized. Like, I, I don't understand. I, I understand wanting like a war propaganda aspect to this. I think it's an interesting aspect to involve in a season like this. But I literally would have been fine with a mention of Oh, Varric's doing war propaganda. And maybe he like wants Bolin to be in it, and Bolin consistently says no until maybe Asami convinces him, hey, maybe this could be a way. Maybe Bolin could have a whole thing where he's struggling to like, I don't know how to help. I'm not a cop. I'm not the avatar. What can I do in this situation? And maybe Asami or Mako can talk him into, you know, doing the Nuktuk thing, and that can help with the, the war effort and yeah. raise money or something. Like, not this completely vapid version of Bolin that I yeah. don't think resonates with his original character at all. And I feel like there's there was so many easy fixes and there was no reason for him also not to be involved in yeah. this sting operation that Mako and Asami are doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just I just hate it like because Mako, it could be very easily remedied. Like, Mako says to him, getting, like, figure out what to do with yourself. That's basically what the writers are doing. Right. Like, Bolin is the writers at this point. I'm just like, uh... Yeah. Um, and I don't like what that says about Bolin. Like, if you leave him alone, he can't he's be gonna handled. end up just continually to be manipulated yeah, by exactly. somebody, which Ugh. I don't think the writers were intentionally trying to do, mm. but that's what it's coming off as. Yeah. He's just continuously upon 
in other people's games. And I'm I, that's why I love season four for him so much because he decides to take some agency. Granted, it was misguided at the beginning and he diverts mm-hmm. because he's grown and knows how to do that. But at least he had some agency and yeah. some like like need and want to do good in the world which i think is his character absolutely absolutely um and i i just i hate this for him like a lot like Mm. was there really nothing else we could have done with dolan this season i don't know well mako and asami are doing this sting operation to i guess find out who's behind i'm not really sure why (laughs) I yeah. kind of zoned out on the reasoning behind why they're doing this thing operation. Me too. I was going to actually ask and try to make sense of it, but I'm glad to see I'm not the only <laughs> one. <laughs> like, it's just, um, I think a lot of that's these probably two just episodes, a, that's probably just a me thing, but to be honest, these two episodes kind of show a lot of like where people fall off on season two of Korra, where people like, I think a yeah. lot of like the reasons why people don't like season two of Korra is because of the things that go on these that are displayed in this episode, these episodes of, you know, just like interesting, you know, ideas and concepts like war profiteering and propaganda and like the role as a world leader in dealing with, you know, your own personal ties to a civil war situation, like all of these really yeah. interesting connecting the dots things. And, you know, how rich people can, you know, turn anything into a profit. Uh, like, all these cool ideas, but the execution ends up getting, like, completely, like, missing the mark. Um, and I think that's yeah. probably what's so frustrating about this season, at least for me. I know that we, like, are probably going to have, like, a final verdict on season two at the end of the uh, recap for this season. But, like... I'm really starting to see like the stuff that's not quite so good about this season uh, and have a be able to actually put my finger on it this time as opposed to be like, I don't like this. I don't know why I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just think it is such a shame um, because yeah. these are these are also things that we did not have time or just we did not get to explore um, in Atla. Um, and I'm sure there was many of people uh, profiteering off of um, the war in Atla, especially, you know, the people who had the means of production when it came to like war machines and whatnot and weapons. But we didn't really get to explore that in Atla and we were primed and ready to explore it in Korra. And I think the thing with these two episodes is that it it effectively does move the plot forward. And it places Varric as not a f- as friendly a character as we originally uh, seemed. Um, again, that is probably the best thing to come out of this episode is making Varric uh, much more unpredictable and, and complicated, which I do like and I do think was a good way to go. Um, but I mean, other than that, eh? I looked it up and the reason they're doing the sting operation is because... Uh, the criminal activity has threatened to put future industries out of business and they set up a sting operation in an attempt to arrest the culprits. Obviously the plan backfires and um, basically Asami loses all of her inventory. Uh, womp womp. And yeah. um, she kisses Mako, which Ugh. why? Why? I hate it. Thanks. I hate it. Why? This is so, Oh my God. 
this is and I and I hate it because it it's not a one time thing because then it reignites some feelings in Asami and it makes it really weird and it makes it we even just weirder. Let it die. Let the just let it die. die and I hate I hate I hate that this is probably the reason Bolin wasn't involved in this thing operation. No, it's exactly so why that, Bolin wasn't involved. So we could have this compulsory shit i hate it i hate it so much kayla i was i'm just and i i forgot it happened so when it happened i was like oh thanks i hate it this is this is really bad (laughs) and i'm glad in season three that it gets brushed off and never addressed again as it should be but even joked about too (laughs) yeah joked about i'm glad that they at least learn but oh holy mother of god they're not there yet (laughs) No, I'm I'm just like, why? I mean, I I, I I get that Asami is crushed, but who not enough to kiss Milky Toast but over that's, here. But that's what I'm saying. Who her her business is in ruin, and the first thing she decides to do is kiss her ex. That makes no sense. I'm sorry. Who wants who's gonna do that? Ew. Freshly after a breakup, too, mind you. Uh-huh. Which for some reason Mako doesn't tell. Asami about which we don't really get an answer why and we get we get some hints in the very beginning like Mako's looking at a picture of him and Cora is sad um so we get some hint that he's tore up about the breakup a little bit but not really because we had to go and do the sting operation with the triple threat triads who double crossed them and were hired by Varric and all these things and I'm just like but I mean again I'm so shocked how much these two episodes made me agree and sympathize with Mako a bunch. I know, um, right? and, and at the very least, they tried to do more with his character. And I mean, I like, I guess I like the thing of he's just a beat cop, but he's got so much more potential and he's like fighting the man because the detectives are incompetent and Lin won't listen to him, which again, I don't think Lin would be so like, you're a beat cop, go, go, it doesn't, you're not a detective, blah, 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 blah. Like, I think she would want to try and solve this as much as possible. And she yeah. does have some history with Mako because they fought Amon together. Mm-hmm. Um, So again, that seemed a little out of character to me too. I mean, I get Lynn is a no business kind of woman um, or no bullshit kind of woman. But I mean, I, I think she would have entertained Mako's theories, especially since they had no leads, they had nothing. It felt they just like, had the assumption that the Northern Water Tribe was behind everything. It honestly just felt like they they just it just you know just trying to put another obstacle to prevent. It's, it just felt like a very deliberate shove, uh, an obstacle. Yeah, by making Lin act kind of out of character. Yeah, which I I hate I hate because it just it just means like you couldn't be bothered to write something else that would be more interesting in, in, yeah and more in tune with the the characters that you have so and compelling I, and try to develop a character that's kind of that could very yeah. that can and has fallen very easily into tropes yeah these this Especially is this is probably my least favorite episode of the series as a whole um yeah. every every time I rewatch it with someone, I, I groan through it because I just I don't want to watch it. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, I mean, not not the biggest fan of these two episodes. And I'm I'm glad we were able to talk about why we were feeling that way Some about kind it. of way. <laughs> yeah. 
some kind of way about it. Um, well, I, I'm gonna be honest. I forgot that like part like. I don't know which one I forgot existed, uh, but I was like, oh, we'll get into one, you know, like, you know, I think we're going to start into like, you know, Avatar Wands backstory now. Not yet. We got to slog yeah. through this first. Next That's episode. Next That's next episode. Yeah. So at least there's that to look forward to. We got through the compulsory heterosexuality episode with the yeah. know, plot twist, the capitalist, the uh, antagonist. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I was like, I was going to say bad guy. I mean, yes, but like not. Another obstacle in the way. And uh-huh. yeah, we were rooting for you. We were all rooting for you. How dare you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, Merrick. <sighs> well, any last thoughts on this episode, Kayla? No, let's just move on from it. Okay. Like, let's just let's just let's just move on. Just kind of never mind all that. <laughs> never mind it. all that. All right. What do you got for <laughs> Fandom Corner? Fandom Corner this week is another silly, goofy one. It's from Tumblr, as most of them are. Uh, Pixel Jade on Tumblr says, In retrospect, it's so fucking funny that Korra did pro-bending while also being the Avatar. It's like if the Pope was in MMA matches and also fought crime on the side. <laughs> I, I chuckled when you sent me that. It's very yeah, true. It it's is. True. It's, it's very silly and I like it. And also, God, there's so much crime committing in this uh, these episodes. Like, yeah. it's just be gay, do crime, or I guess be compulsory, compulsory, compulsory heterosexuality. You just be compulsory heterosexuality and yeah. do crime. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good lord. That's All right, it. Well, we got a goof. Enjoy. We got a goof. <laughs> Let's get into recommendations. Kayla, what, what do you recommend? Uh, I recommend Clue. Uh, the well, also the board game's fun, but also the movie from this was the eighties. Uh, Tim Curry's in it. Oh, love. what other reason do you need? Have you seen it? No. <sighs> Highly recommend on Amazon. It's if you have an Amazon Prime subscription, you can watch it. Um, basically, it is based off of the classic board game, but it's also a spoof of like the mystery, the murder mystery genre in general and it's so campy and witty and like there are some like iconic lines in there um one of my favorite parts is like the trope from is like kind of poking fun at the trope where like the detective recaps every single thing that happened so literally tim curry is just running around this mansion explaining every single moment falling down representing dead bodies and stuff like it is hilarious uh and just like i mean there's another like you know just so many iconic lines from it like flame flames flames on the side of my face like just you will get that's it eventually that's from that's what that's from yeah oh my god like Trixie and Katsa quote that all the time and I was I have always been like I wish I knew what that was from because it's it sounds really funny oh god it's amazing like Miss Miss White is like the funny one of the funniest they're all they all have their moments they're all so funny um is another good one of like she also has one of like so how many husbands have like one person asked her like so how how many husbands have you had five oh yeah wait, wait, no he says like she says uh mine or other women's yours <laughs> like, <laughs> five five just the five yes husbands should be like Kleenex soft strong and disposable like <laughs> oh my god the whole movie that. is like that it is very much aware of what kind of movie it is it is just very funny and there's like you can make a million rocky horror references with how many what's with things going on because obviously tim curry's in it. it takes place in a spooky house like mm-hmm. during a thunderstorm the jokes write themselves <laughs> i love it i love it but uh anywho check out clue on amazon prime highly recommend love it what about yours 
Um, well, if you want to watch something that is um thoroughly confusing, bemusing, and what's another oozing? Oozing. Um please everyone go and watch Tar. Because I need someone, I need to talk about this movie with somebody because that Clay Blanchett movie. Yep, it got it, it was an Oscar nominated film. I usually don't go for movies like that. Only reason I watched it was because I was seeing clips of it on TikTok, and it was about classical music. And I obviously know a lot about classical music because I went to college for it, and I just wanted to see what it was about. And I've just never watched something like that. I don't know how to explain it. The if you go watch a trailer of it, it makes it look like a horror movie. It's not. Um, but it is one of those movies where it's nothing is explained. Um, a lot happens and nothing happens at the same time. Um, and the ending you just will not see coming. So go watch Tar. Maybe watch it with some friends. Um, make a drinking game out of it. Oh but God. I'm so here for Kate Blanchett playing... A, a lesbian conductor. I just oh, love good. that she's for her. A, oh, good, she's a lesbian in this. Yeah, but it like it's so weird, Kayla. You just I don't know how to I don't know how to explain it. Um, if you're looking for a, a good time, I wouldn't watch this movie. But if you're looking for something that is like, what the fuck did I just watch? This is the movie for you. So everyone go so is watch. That- is are you Tar. making a letterbox list with this? Of uh, just I guess I just- you should. I mean the. The the first three minutes of this movie is is basically just black screen and like really weird like vocal music. It literally goes on for three minutes, and it is very much like this is cinema. But at the same time, it like knows how ridiculous it is. I I don't know how to describe it. You just gotta watch it. Um, you don't have to. In fact, I if if you like movies, probably don't watch this. But <laughs> if I I don't know you. You have a very specific taste in movies, Kayla. So I think maybe you would appreciate just how insane this movie is. Yeah, um, I do. It's the I do appreciate the. I mean, most of my recommendations when I talk about like my movies, like Shock Treatment, for instance, is definitely a what the fuck did I just watch? But at least Shock. No, Treatment yeah, is a bop. that's this movie. <laughs> that's this movie. At least Shock Treatment um, has some bops, and that's why I watch it. <laughs> yeah, and it's one of those movies where you finish it and you're left feeling vaguely empty like what literally what the fuck did i do it's not good it's not bad it's just insanely confusing okay interesting. but there is an entertainment value in it and i and i can i can see a cult following starting to build on twitter with this film um because it was pretty much largely ignored at the oscars even though it was nominated for a couple of things yeah but it was it was a movie is a movie. This I would, one, like, I would the watch... most convoluted recommendation you've ever given. <laughs> well, also, this is the only thing I could think of in the moment because I forgot to write it earlier in the show notes. But well, listeners, go watch Clue first if you're looking for a good time. And then maybe, you know, if you're feeling up for it, if you're feeling up for a very weird movie, just go watch Tar. I do just appreciate do also about Clue that they act like they obviously have some very direct references to the board game in there. But there was there was one mm-hmm. joke about involving the game that made me laugh. Uh, so check that out too. <laughs> I the 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 only thing that has enriched my life, the only thing this movie has enriched my life with, is the ability to say Lydia Tar would never do this, 
and I can say it about anything, and it can apply to anything. Lydia's Lydia Tar is a real person, right? Like that's this no, is a... it's not. She's not a real person. I thought she Kate was. Kate Blanchett plays her so well. It's the best thing about this movie. Her performance is really, really good. I and thought really for some amazing. reason that like this was like inspired by a real person. No, no. I might. Just I mean, be it might. It might have been, but not to my not to my knowledge. There. Okay. I I for sure know there was there was no one named there was no Lydia Tar out there that this was about. Uh, maybe there was influences from like real maybe. life female com- conductors. Yeah. Um, but it's just it's a movie. It's a movie. <laughs> and Kate Blanchett plays her like a real person, so I don't blame people for thinking that she was it's a real like, person. It's but... almost like she's an actor. <laughs> no, but like you know, there's acting, <laughs> and then there's like being the person. You know what I mean? No, I there's don't. Because whenever I, whenever someone like being a person, I'm just thinking of like method acting. When I think of method acting, no, I think it's of not Jared method Leto. acting. And then when I yeah, think no, of Jared Leto, that. I want to vomit. So thank you for taking me down that rabbit hole. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not. There's no butthole pondering going on here. There's none of that. It's just. She just is the person. I don't know how to explain it. Just please go and, and watch, or at least just, <laughs> just watch a YouTube recap video of it. I just need someone to talk about this <laughs> film with because it's it's for lack of a better word haunted me since I watched it. So oh my god. anyway, we got to wrap this up. <laughs> yeah, we do. Oh my god! If you want to stay up to date on new episodes or meander about talking about Avatar and occasionally a lot of other things too, uh, and see what we're up to in between episodes, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the Avatar Hour Podcast and on Twitter at Avatar Hour. We also are on TikTok, which we occasionally post things on. So you can find us there at the Avatar Hour Pod. Uh, and finally, of course, if you have thoughts, theories, headcans, or you just want to say hello, you can email us at the Avatar Hour Podcast at gmail.com, like Caitlin did, who we gave a little shout out to in this episode. Um, and also you can DM us. Um, and before you go, please take a moment to make sure you are following or are subscribed to our show wherever you get your podcast. So you can have really weird, convoluted movie recommendations from me when I don't know, have anything else to recommend. Um, and if you'd like to leave a review and let us know what you think about the show, reviews really help the show find more people and help grow our avatar hour of family. So we'd really, really appreciate it. Um, but otherwise, that is it for us today, everybody. We will see you next time to talk about beginnings part one and part two. Very excited for that. But until then, my name is Andre. And I'm Kayla. Bye, Bye everyone. everyone.